So I still don't know how to do, uh, like, big introductions or anything. Just know that I appreciate you all very much, that I know that you miss the live shows, uh, and that I, I appreciate your patience while I was just a little bit blue, a little bit down, and just making my way through stuff. Thank you again for all of your support, all of your patience. Uh, I did a whole thing with the live show before we started recording about Tiger King and how I could run a sex cult and how you probably shouldn't eat Chinese food that just randomly appears inside your house. Thank you to everybody who comes out live to these things, to everybody who requests, everybody who tips, everybody who makes them possible. Know that I'm blown away. I, um, before I get started with just with this crowd, I don't... (laughs) I have no idea what I'm doing. And I gotta say, that works for me. And sometimes that doesn't really work for the people who rely on me or who who want something that I make. And so I I I feel I feel pretty bad sometimes or at least I have historically when I have just not felt like showing up or when I felt like not producing. There there is a it's really unfortunate, but there is like a Protestant work ethic in me, a Puritan, puritanical sort of produced to be a good person, even though everybody I know who makes things to make things is not the best person that they could be. But that's neither here nor there. I just, I, I, I just like everybody else, just like I said for the last podcast uh, at the beginning, um, I'm also going through a lot of shit. And one of the weirdest parts about it is I don't know when to have fun either. And I don't know what's allowed to be fun or funny either. Um, But from the bottom of my heart, just taking a little bit of time to try and figure it out, try and and adjust to the new normal, uh, and all the rest... I got a fantastic amount of praise, support, encouragement from you guys. You've been funny. You've been encouraging. You've been sexy. You've been flirtatious. You've been everything that I could ask for. Absolutely everything that I could ask for in this really stressful, really strange, really not normal time. And all I can say is thank you very, 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 very much for that. Bottom of my heart, me and Allie both... um, just just from a work product standpoint, from from everything that I've I've asked you guys to to deal with or accept, this has been without a doubt, not just in the Grey Knight project, but I think in my life, legitimately, literally, the only time that I've ever flubbed and not shown up and not done something and not felt horribly guilty the entire time and not felt just awful. Um, it helped me come back really quick. It helped me get back into a, a, a more positive, a more working mindset. I've got a lot of stuff recorded that you guys haven't heard yet. Um, and a lot of personal stuff, a lot of personal writing, which always is very nice when that's productive, when that's feeling lucrative. So I know I've rambled a lot at the beginning of this, but it's hard getting back on track. And I did want to say that and show that, both the appreciation, but also just say, yeah, it's hard for me too. Um, I don't, I don't 
consider myself in any way a celebrity or in any way famous or in any way uh, privileged like that. But some of you might because you can you can consider me whatever you want, right? Your perception of me doesn't have to be mine. And I was so worried that you guys were going to treat me like one of those fucking celebrity videos and shit where they're like, stay home. It's hard for me, too. Um, and I was really, really worried that that's what I was going to get. And I didn't get any of that. I got none of it. I literally didn't get a single negative comment. And that's really unfortunate because I was anticipating it. And that's what brings us into the first thing back. So this is the first thing back, which is Jack wrote hate mail in response to the hate mail he didn't get. Uh, so there we go. That's, that's where we're at. Uh, this is hate mail in response to hate mail. I, this is hate mail responses in response to hate mail I didn't get. So here, here's the, here's the letter that I could put up, uh, in response to what you guys didn't say. That was mean in my head. Ready? Y'all know I could be that fucking Doc Ock piece of shit from Tiger Kong or whatever it was, right? All right, that's pretty much what I was going to put up. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, Netflix has a show. I know you know it's been all over the internet. Tiger King. There's a guy who has a sex cult in it, and they don't even talk about it. Like, they just, they bring up that he has a sex cult to embarrass him. This thing about what an asshole this guy must have been for them to do that. Because they don't talk about it in a documentary fashion. They're just all like, hey, just ask like everybody on camera how many wives he has to embarrass him. And then later on in the documentary, they're like, oh, show a paper receipt showing that he bought tigers illegally on camera to embarrass him. Just real quick. And they just, that's it. Just imagine... Just imagine being such an asshole that people embarrass you with your sex cult. Casually. They don't, like, do an investigation like they did with that Nexium bullshit. <sighs> you guys don't even know what Nexium is, do you? Do you guys know what the Nexium cult is? No. Do you guys know what Smallville was? <laughs> Did you guys hear that the actress from Smallville was involved in a sex cult? Did that? Yeah. So there was a sex cult called Nexium. They're still around. And she was part of that sex cult. Yeah, there's been a lot of sex cults in the, in the American news. It's been the Epstein sex. These are all different sex cults, too. The Doc, whatever. I call him Doc Ock because I can't remember what his name is because he has all this Indian mysticism bullshit about him. Uh, but Nexium, the Jeffrey Epstein sex, I guess that's not a sex cult. Uh, but these are all different sex stories, sex cult, sex scandals. The Nexium is its own thing. And... Maybe you have been asked. Maybe you have been asked to be in a sex cult and you just don't know. Or maybe you've turned it down. Because uh, the answer is, as far as I can tell, to get into a sex cult, it's not a creepy guy walks up to you. He's like, hey, do you want to be in a sex cult? It's more like, hey, do you want to pet a tiger? Or, hey, do you need some meth? 
And that's the introduction. And then they gauge the reaction to that. <laughs> Whereas my sex cult is just all like, hey, do you want to join my Discord server? It's filled with lots of nice ladies. We talk about games and food. Occasionally one of them goes missing, but nobody thinks about it for too long because we're all having too much fun. <laughs> How'd I get on here? How did I get onto the Nexium cult? Oh my god, now I just want to talk about Nexium because that's a fucking... Oh, I could talk about Nexium all day. That's fucking sex cults crazy. Smallville to Nexium, Talkog, Tiger King, Tiger Kong. <laughs> oh, that's right. I hate you all. That's how I got here. I hate you all. And the reason why I do hate you all is because I could be this asshole. You think I couldn't be having sex with women who, if you put a camera on them like a decade later, they'd be all like, yeah, he thought he was better than he was. Ah. That could be me. That could be me. I date too strong of women to do a sex cult. It was one of the things I realized when watching Tiger King. Because... The women who were talking shit about him after escaping the sex cult were still, like, kind of nice and respectful. And I'm just going to tell you straight up, the women who were talking about escaping the sex cults were nicer in those interviews than most first encounters with women I've dated. Like, a lot of the times I've started dating a woman, it's because one of the first things out of her mouth would be like, the fuck do you know? Or, yeah, that band fucking sucks. <laughs> or, I don't know, maybe if you were good looking. These are all first encounter things that I've heard from women that I was like, I want to get to know you better. Let's find out what's going on there. <laughs> You've got cat-eyed glasses, a three-digit IQ, and your 20% knee and elbow. Let's see what's happening. Let's see what's going on here. That makes it sound like I like skinny girls instead of I just dated one woman who was basically like an Olympic swimmer without the swimmer's build is how I would describe her. Like imagine a swimmer, but without the muscle. That's what she was. <laughs> so you know that lanky, sexy body that's got like... You know, like all that lithe, like merman muscle going on, mermaid, merman muscle going on. That lanky lithe, but just none of the muscle. So just the lanky part. Imagine Ichabod Crane, but shorter and in water. <laughs> 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 she 
She was one of my favorite, favorite, favorite women to date. Because I could always see her knees coming from around a corner before she did, so I could always put my stuff away before she caught me. <laughs> I'd see that knee casting a shadow and I could get out of the porn tab really easy. <laughs> Oh, fuck. I don't... This is just goes to prove to show you that I should uh, always just do the normal shows. I don't know how to get back on track after I've lost it. I don't know how to do the shows without talking about, like, what I've been going through my week. Uh, or, or, or that sort of thing. I'm trying to get back to it. Um... One of the most relaxing things that I did this week, I tried to figure out how to do, like, Minecraft for the first time, but it was too intimidating. So I instead, I loaded up Factario. Uh, and I don't... <laughs> I don't know if you guys know what Factorio is, but it's basically a game where you yell at lines. And I have to say, that has 100% really helped me deal with this whole isolation. One of the hardest things about isolation is there's nobody to feel superior to. Right? Like... When I'm standing in a line of a hundred people and I'm the tallest person in that line, fuck yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense to anybody out there? When you're, when you're in a line and you're the hottest person in that line, which I know you all feel all the time, and you're just all like, look at how fucking hot I am in this fucking line. It's a good feeling. I know you all think that all the time. That's what you're all thinking. That's why you're my fans. Come on, we all do it. And there's no lines anymore. So I have a video games now. Like, the video games have to fulfill all of those purposes for me. And so Factorio is a, lot, is a, is a game where, you, where you're an engineer on a planet where you're all alone, and then you can just make conveyor belts with your ass. You can just go like, Argh! you can just shit out them conveyor belts, and then you can put things on them. But then the conveyor belts, you know, they get complicated. The conveyor belts got to go in and out of various machines, and in one and then out the other and that kind of thing. And so you're watching these lines progress, and they're just sort of making their, their progress bit by bit, little by little but they do it a little bit wrong or not how you want them to or how you anticipate. And that's just like actual lines in real life. And so it's really helped simulate that for me. <laughs> I'm just trying to get all the parts of reality back. And so I'm slowly reintroducing all the things back into my life that I don't enjoy. For instance, the other day, I made a fantastic stir-fry from scratch. It was perfect in every way. 
It was really, really great. It was good, good, good. Maybe one of the best stir fries I've had in a long time. Definitely one of the best Asian meals I've had since I discovered pad thai like two or three years ago, right? It was perfect. And I had all the ingredients I could use to make it again. And so I made it fucking wrong. Because that's how it would go in the real world. Don't you understand? You can't have two good stir-fries in a row. No, I didn't intentionally. I thought, hey, you know if that shitty fucking Chinese place was open? That one down the street that I didn't like going to, but I went to like once every other week anyway, because it was right there? I'm going to make it like that. I miss the world. I got in my car, and I stopped at a stop sign, like two cars distances back. Just so I could get mad at the invisible car for taking too long. Come on, asshole! What are you doing? Jesus fucking Christ, come on! What are you doing? I don't even see a turn signal! Come on! The other day, I took $29.50 out of my account just to simulate what Ticketmaster does to fuck me in the ass. Gave it to Wikipedia. I would have seen a show by now, so that's what they would have done to me, so now I gave it to Wiki. I'm just trying to readjust to my new normal. Don't you understand? Everybody else is like, life's going to get back to normal. I'm making it happen. (laughs) Normal is my reaction to the world, so I'm making the same world to annoy and fulfill me as much as it normally would. It's going great. It's going fantastic. Yes, I've got seven different mannequins around my house. So what? Uh. <laughs> Soon there will be eight. Ah, <laughs> uh, so the last story I have is I saw this cute little kid and this dog. And they were both in a surgical mask. And just going down the street. And I was like, can you fucking believe that? Two free surgical masks. All right. Let's get started reading. Can't believe none of you assholes saw that one coming after everything I just said. I can't believe you still fell for it. Unbelievable. <laughs> I told you what was going to go happen if you walked down that dark alley and you're still like, do, 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 do. Uh, the mannequins I build with, uh, with scraps from my dumpster diving. People are too afraid to come out of their houses, so I break into their sheds and call them dumpsters. <laughs> There's no police anymore. So, good luck. They'll come if you start trying to shoot a gun at me. 
but they're not going to come if you call the police on me stealing stuff from you, so... Have fun, because I don't think your aim's going to be that great, Gramps. Your hand's trembling from here. Jesus Christ, I don't think you're going to fucking manage the shot. <laughs> it's not like the movies. Do you know, like, in real life when they're all like, Hey, the cops responded to 27 shots inside of a house party of 300 people. Two were wounded. That's how it really works in reality. So, uh, bang, 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 cowboy. I'm right here. Still in your shit. <laughs> and then I take all the stuff, all the wigs, because every shed has wigs inside them. I bring them back home, put them on the balloon heads. Draw the faces, make sure that they're not prettier than me. Can't be prettier than me. I have to be the prettiest man in the kingdom. I have to be the prettiest person of all. I have to be the prettiest And then, you know, if I'm having a bad day, maybe you might hear an argument about the dishes or something, and then a loud pop. That's how I'm getting through the stress. <laughs> you came to the side of the bed and sat staring at me. Then you kissed me. I felt hot wax on my forehead. I wanted it to leave a mark. That's how I knew I loved you. Because I wanted to be burned, stamped, to have something in the end, I drew the gown over my head. A red flush covered my face and shoulders. It will run its course, the course of fire, setting a cold coin on the forehead between the eyes. You lay beside me, your hand moved over my face as though you had felt it also. You must have known then how I wanted you. We will always know that, you and I. The proof will be my body. The Encounter by Louise Gluck G-L-U-C-K <clears throat> Show me your face. I crave flowers and gardens. Open your lips. I crave the taste of honey. Come out from behind the clouds. I desire a sunny face. Your voice echoes, saying, leave me alone. I wish to hear your voice again, saying, leave me alone. I swear this city without you is a prison. I am dying to get out, to roam in deserts and mountains. I am tired of flimsy friends and submissive companions. I die to walk with the brave. In blue, hearing nagging voices and meek cries, I desire loud music, drunken parties and wild dance, one hand holding a cup of wine, one hand caressing your hair, then dancing in orbital circle. That 
is what I yearn for. I can sing better than any nightingale, but because of this city's freaks, I seal my lips while my heart weeps. Yesterday, the wisest man holding a lit lantern in daylight was searching around town saying, I'm tired of all these beasts and brutes. I seek a true human. We have all learned for one but could not be found. They said, yes, he replied, but my scratch is one for the one who cannot be found. Fountain of Fire by Rumi Are you, am I? If only you knew the wicked thoughts that I am having of you, of limbs entangled, yours and mine, of lips locked in kisses and bodies entwined, of twisted sheets covered in sweat, of moments so sweet, unblemished by regret, of hours shared in passion's embrace, of precious moments staring at your face as you lie in my arms upon my chest satisfied after hours in passion's embrace then you loudly call my name and i gently blush in shame i smile secretly to myself i think of my fantasies yet unmet and now they are just my sweet escape my getaway from a dreary day a penny for your thoughts you say and I smile to myself. Perhaps another day. Wicked Thoughts, and I'm going to go with Injit Shirosi. I-N-J-E-T-E-C-H-E-S-O-N-I. I probably did not get that right. Could be Injite? Injite Shesoni? In hete. Mm, that would be a beautiful pronunciation. Don't know, though. <clears throat> Stay well, we say. Stay safe, we say it. To our friends, to our neighbors, to the checker at the store, to the woman at the drive through window. We long for the time we love was a hug, a kiss, a gift placed in our hand. Now... Love is a wave from afar, driving by a house to hold up a sign for the birthday girl, groceries left at a stranger's doorstep, hunting through the basement for a mask unused that might mean life or death. We pour our love into a song sung, a story read, a picture drawn. It's here, in the teacher searching the desk drawers in an empty classroom. In the empty classroom, hands sanitized, left to give away. Tiny children dancing the prayers taught by their ancestors. A loaf of bread passed from the full cart to an empty hand. A wedding rescheduled. An extra-large tip. A thousand fostered kittens. Stay well. This Abundant Love by Anne Lenneberg Hamilton Don't run any more. Quiet. 
how softly it rains on the roofs of the city, how perfectly all things are. Now, for the two of you waking up in the royal bed by a garret window. For a man and a woman. For one plant divided into masculine and feminine which longed for each other. Yes, this is my gift to you. Above ashes on a bitter, bitter earth, above the subterranean echo of clamoring and vows, so now at dawn you must be attentive, the tilt of a head and a hand with a comb, two faces in a mirror are only forever, even if unremembered, so that you watch what it is, though it fades away, and are grateful every moment of your being. Let that little pock with greenish marble bursts in pearl-gray light under summer drizzle, remain as it were when you opened the gate. And the street of tall, peeling porticos, which this love of yours suddenly transformed. After Paradise by C. Miloz. The letter C, M I L O S Z, Miloza. Miloz or Miloz? We'll save that one for a moment later. When my dyslexia can't get past the first line of something, we'll we'll kick it down the road. Okay, let's try this one. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile the world goes on. Meanwhile the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. Wild Geese by Mary Oliver If you ever came to me with a face that I have not seen, with a voice I have never heard, I would still know you. Even if centuries separated us, I would still feel you, somewhere between the sand and the stardust. Through every collapse in creation, there is a pulse that echoes of you and I. 
When we leave this world, you will give up our possessions and our memories. Love is the only thing that we will take with us. It is all we will carry from one life to the next. Stardust by Lang Leave. L-E-A-V. Really interesting poems to me. Grandma once left me a tip. Difficult times, you move forward in small steps. Do what you have to do, little bit by little bit. Don't think about the future, not even what might happen tomorrow. Wash the dishes. Take off the dust. Write a letter. Make some soup. Do you see? You are moving forward, step by step. Take a step and stop. Get some rest. Compliment yourself. Take another step. Then, so on. You won't notice, but your steps will grow bigger and bigger. And time will come when you won't think about the future without crying. Good morning. Elena, I'm going to go with Milkalkova, Milkakova, The Room of Ancient Keys. M-I-K-H-A-L-K-O-V-A. Mikhalkova, Mikhalkova. Mikhalkova? I should stop trying to pronounce things so heavy. <clears throat> Do you feel flight or flight? Nora Ephron? Mm. Sometimes I think you guys just pick poems that have like huge medical terms in them just to hear me stumble. Do you feel flight or flight? This is this is epinephrine. Epinephrine. Norepinephrine. Norepinephrine. Norepinephrine? N O R. Epinephrine. Norepinephrine. Do you feel norepinephrine through your veins? Your nails against your skin. Body delicate and responsive. Lips bruised and stung as I lick, nibble, bite. I sense veins pulsing with blood, burning hot with adrenaline. And I want you so desperately. I long to consume your words, devour your lips, take you in entirely. Ravished. Exhausted. I want to smell you. Fear, arousal, excitement. Your flesh against my tongue. The sweetest moment of all is not the thrill of the chase. It's the moment where the predator captures prey. Prey Drive by no author. By anonymous, I should say. Uh, uh, uh. Okay, so that's a letter. That's a letter. I think this is our last poem. <clears throat> I hope you've enjoyed them. If you have some quick quotes that you want me to say, now is the time to start typing them up. You put them in quotation marks. This especially goes for new girls who have come out today. If you have come on out, it would mean so much to me if you'd have something you want me to say. Just hello or 
uh, I hope you're doing well, or your name, or something like that. Just get it ready. Just anything you think you might want me to say if you're here live. Don't worry. Don't be embarrassed. I want to read it for you. Here we go. Here's our last poem for today. <clears throat> you must remember it, too. How the rest of the city slept while we sat awake for the very first time. We hadn't touched yet, but we had managed to travel in and out of each other with our words, our limbs dizzying with enough electricity to form half a sun. We drank nothing that night, but I was intoxicated. I went home and thought, we are soulmates. Rupee Carr. I don't have a title for that one. Very nice. <laughs> okay, here we go. <clears throat> Good girl. You're such a good girl for me. Oh, I feel a theme already. Uh, I leaked it. So it's mine. Snuggle close to me, darling. I've got you. Bring that ass over here. I'm gonna rip those fucking tights off you. You're doing well. Don't stop counting, princess, or daddy will start over. I'm proud of you, Chastity. Do as you're told. Get on your knees. Behave. Or I will make you, Maeve. You'll be okay, I promise. Just relax and let Daddy take care of you. I want to do bad things with you. <laughs> Suck it up, Buttercup. have a lovely smile, love. <laughs> oh, Daddy is so close, baby girl. Please don't stop. <laughs> you want it, little girl? Crawl over here. Beg for it. Keep your chin up, darling. You can get through this. Use your words, little one. I can't give you what you want unless you tell me. Candy? Oh, Candy. Let me be sweet to you. Oh, baby girl, daddy's not done with you yet.
Let's get the last of the quick quotes in, and then I'll do a purr at the end. I have read the purr. I promise I'll do it. I'll do it at the end. It's always the showstopper. <clears throat> Ashley, you're doing fine. You'll be okay. <laughs> oh, does that ass hurt, baby? You should have thought about that. Uh-oh. Take another. <clears throat> oh, does that ass hurt, baby? You should have thought twice before disobeying me. Now shut the fuck up and count to ten. See, I need a running start. Sometimes you need a running start. <laughs> New girls didn't say nothing, and that's because everybody's all like, Daddy, fuck me up the ass! You're all so hardcore today. Daddy, say you love me, and then you'll marry me, and then fuck me up the ass! You're all, like, really hard, and all the new girls are like, Jesus Christ, is it always like this? No. No, stress is a little high. It's normally, like, a lot sweeter than this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> emotions are running a little bit hotter than normal, I think. <laughs> Jesus Christ, is it always like this? I don't know how I said it, sorry. You can never ask me to say something I just said because I said it. If I say it, I'm not thinking it. You can almost guarantee that I'm not thinking it. <clears throat> when you Give me that come fuck me look. Mm. All right, girls, last chance. If you haven't said anything or if it's your first time out, put it up and I'll be happy to say your name or anything else you want before we cover this section. Covered in cement. Seal it on up. When something that's good, you just, you don't mess with it. I'm not going to forget to do the purr. Baby. All right, that's it. Give me just one second here, because I've been preparing my purr for a while. It's been a while since we've got a purr, so just give me one second. All right. I'm a little nervous about this. Here we go. <clears throat> yeah, it's weird. It's weird. There's two kind of girls with the whole, like, with the whole purr thing. Well, there's three, because there's the kind that, don't, that doesn't like it at all. So if you don't like it at all, just don't listen. But there's, there's two kinds that like it. And uh, of that, of that... Half of you, like, your face and your head leans forward, and, like, you tilt, and you're like, okay, here it goes. Like, you adjust, and, like, your shoulders, and, like, you move your you move your head in, or, like, you know, you, you, you lean forward a little bit, and that's intimidating. But that is definitely preferable to group two that just sort of, like, 
spreads their legs and just sort of inches their pelvis forward. That's that's the intimidating kind. That's the kind that I. It's a little weird. It's this is like the male version of twerking. I kind of feel like because it's just pure sexual objectification for that crowd. It's just pure like yeah yeah yeah, but just turn around and just bounce that. That's the only part of you that has any value. So just make that part move and the rest of you obscure, please. Thank you. Uh. And so that's kind of <clears throat> all of my adult, all of my ASMRs, adult ASMR. Okay. <clears throat> You've paid for this. You funded this. I got to get it right. Damn it. Oh, I did so much better the other night. No. <clears throat> Let me go one more time. <laughs> I'm going to go harder this time, just FYI. One more time. This is it, I promise. All right, so I can do better than that. I've eaten today. Uh, I'm a little bit shy. All right, it's harder. All right, one of these days I'm just going to, when nobody's around live, you can hear me blushing. When nobody's around live, I can do much better than that. I'll work on it. All right, that's it. Pay me. You're goddamn right that was great. Fucking pay me. Literally nobody else can do that. You funded it. Meme? It's not a meme! Do you know how hard it is to do that? It's hard to roll your tongue, right? Like, I'm just gonna say, I don't know if I'm gonna get in trouble for this, but every once in a while I get the comment from a gal and she'll be like, Hey, I'm from Ecuador. Hey, I'm from Mexico. Hey, I'm from, you know, wherever. Uh, South or Central America, right? I'll get, I'll, get, I'll get that comment, and they're like, How do you roll your tongue like that? I can't roll my tongue. And I'm from Colombia slash Ecuador slash Costa Rica. How do you do it? You're amazing. Can you teach me? So I get that comment every once in a while. So I know it can't be that easy. Because even going arriba is kind of hard for a lot of people. Arriba. Which I don't understand. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I could do it a hundred times in a row. <laughs> Like, there's nothing. 
<laughs> Yo, Lace Mexican was about to say it. Huzzah! <laughs> I get to add another pin in the board. There's only so many places where they roll their R's. <laughs> yeah, I used to have spittle when I would roll my R's. It's true. I would used to, and there'd be like a little spittle. That's really shameful. Not like a lot, but like you know, definitely a COVID-19 spreading amount. Now there's none. Now I can, it's totally dry. Uh, and it, I had to learn how to make it totally dry because I can, that, like, a lot of women assume that this is a joke and I don't blame you at all, but I actually do eat pussy that way. So you should definitely pay me to keep it up. <laughs> no, I can, I'm going to do it now. It doesn't sound sexy. I'm going to do it. I don't think it sounds very good, but I can, I, I, when I, when I do enjoy a woman very much in her company and her food that she makes me, uh, I do eat her pussy and, uh, what I, what I, I, you can't like, obviously, <sighs> Can I just say that women obviously are not getting their pussies eaten? Is that rude as a man? Is that mansplaining that straight women don't get their pussies eaten? Is that rude? Okay. Because here's a great sign that straight women, like even in their 30s, 40s and, and shit, uh, have never really gotten to proper pussy eating is I'll say like I'll do something to eat pussy. And grown-ass college degree-having, children-bearing women will be all like, the whole time? And, like, the moment a woman asks a question like that, it's like, have you really never had your... No! You don't have to do anything. There's not... It's not an automated process. No! You move in and out. You... <laughs> no! No, obviously not the... Logistically speaking, No! So, like, I've told a number of women that I eat pussy this way, and they'll be all like, No, you don't. That would take too long, and I wouldn't come. Well, agreed. When I say that I eat pussy this way, I'm not saying this is the only way that I eat pussy that I employ but one tactum upon, upon your slit, and should it not be valuable, I shall only double down upon it. I came to this pussy-eating fight with one tactic, and I shall continue to employ it, madame. But I do. I stick out my tongue and I go... I do it. I do that. If I like you, if you've made me enough breakfast food, you get that. I push your thighs apart... I put my big ass fucking thick old tongue right down on the love button. Does it work? The question was just asked. Does it work and how do I know? These are two excellent questions. I'm going to choose not to be offended. I'm going to choose not to be offended by the question, does it work and how do I know? These are, I'm going to choose not to be Donald Trump, act, not, not act like him. I really want to. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I want to throw a, a Trump response right now. Be like, that's a nasty question. Who are you with? Who are you with? That's a nasty question.
All these people come here for a good time for good information, and then you ask a nasty question like that. Who are you with? So that's what I want to do. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take that aside. There's irrelevant questions. I'm saying that I do that. I eat pussy that way, so I guess it's very natural that someone ask, how do I know it's good, <laughs> and how does it work? Well, this is true. This is absolutely true. Here's one reason I know why my pussy-eating techniques work. One, women put up with the rest of me to get them. That should really tell you everything you need to know. But two, and I absolutely mean this, I hold women down when I eat their pussies. Now, we could make a lot of jokes about that, or like, you know, we could, we could make sexual assault jokes or what have you, but let's be real, even though I want to be an entertainer since I've been asked the question, how do I know if when I'm trying different pussy-eating techniques on you, if they're good or not? And the answer is, if I'm eating your pussy, there is a strong probability that I'm physically grabbing you by either your hips or your shoulders. I'm pushing you down against the mattress because I don't eat fucking no pussy against a wall. Don't know what Cinemax movies you all been watching where you think that's a good idea. You're just going to scrape your tailbone. And as I apply various lip and tongue actions. I don't even know how to describe. I'm not looking at chat because I'll laugh. My, my eyes are closed. I'm, not even, I'm Ray Charlesing into the microphone right now. As I apply different pressured kisses and licks, I don't quite know how else to technically describe it. I know that I have honed in on what I'm going to be doing there for a little bit while longer when Against my hands, I feel muscles tense and push in addition to the other information that I get while eating pussy. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm physically eating pussy, there's a lot of information that's coming out. And even if I ignored all of it <laughs> and only relied on the... I'm only pushing against your body really hard when you do that information. That would be enough. That would be enough. If you blindfolded me and you put a little gadget on my head so I couldn't see or hear, you couldn't communicate with me in any way, and the only information I had was when your body tensed from me eating your pussy, that would be enough information to eat your pussy to orgasm. That's how I know. Next question. <laughs> I mean, seriously, all, all jokes aside, um, sex is communication. Do you believe me or not? Yes, it's language, it's communication. Great. Because if you accept that, if, if you're not just putting that bumper sticker on the back of your car... If sex is communication, if you really do believe that and you really didn't get in on that, then obviously oral sex is listening to your partner and responding. That's what oral sex is. 
It's a reactive mode. You could say that all sex is reactive. Not true. I'm not in a reactive mode when I'm fucking you. If you're a missionary in bed and my penis is inside you, 90-some percent of the time that I'm not in a reactive state. I'm in an active state. I'm fucking you. But when I'm licking your pussy, I'm only really, until I get to a certain point where I go, ah, ha, ha, ha. No, no, you're a symphony. Like, if you want to make yourself a metaphor, women, especially the women who think that they're too complicated or too complex or that their orgasm is too scary or whatever, you're an orchestra that's tuning up. You don't sound weird or scary to me. You're just not in sync. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go around your orchestra as the composer, and I'm going to get everybody on the same page. That's all. And then we'll start making music together. First, I'm going to make sure you're listening to me. If we're going to use the orchestra metaphor, right? The way that I do that is... So I believe in chakras. I just don't believe that they're mystical. I just believe that they're five real great places on the body to touch. And that if you're, those five places on your body are doing good, your body's doing good, right? You with me so far? Chakras and, and centers of body and all that, okay? So I don't believe there's anything mystical about your lips or about your wrists. There's nothing mystical about them, right? But I do think that if I rub your wrists with my thumbs, if I rub your lips with my thumbs, and then I go back and forth between those two, that the blood that pools in your hands and your face will feel really powerful for both of us. Not just you. I'm not some kind of psychopath who's just rubbing my thumb on you and then going, yes, 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 that, yes, I see an acceleration. Very good, very good. For both of us, it'll feel great if I do that. So I'm aligning your chakras. I, I Physically, this is not a metaphor. If I don't know you, if you're ginger to the touch, if you're a little bit shy, if you're like, maybe if we're having sex, I should be blindfolded or you should be blindfolded or neither of us should be in the same room. Like maybe if you're one of those types of, of women who wants to have sex with me and I was going very, very, very slow with you, and we were starting with literally fingertips and palms and that sort of thing, I would align your chakras. I would touch your face and your hands before I would go down and touch your breasts, right? Whereas if you were somebody who crawled all over me, I might just grab your breasts. I'm going to touch all of your body in the same way, either way, but I'm listening to you. I want to. I'm going to have a lot of fun once my penis comes out. I know. So I want you to have a lot of fun until my penis comes out. Yes? So, just the same way that those are two totally different reactions, if we're going with the symphony metaphor, if we're going with the my body's too complicated or I don't even know what I want sometimes metaphor, um, what I would do is there's different sections to a symphony and we just touch them. We just make sure they're all tuned up before we all start playing. A lot of times people go, this is it, and they have a, a FOMA, F-O-M-O, they have a fear of missing out, and so their bodies will be telling them it's time for sexual engagement, it's time to have sex, it's time to be with this person that we really like. 
that we want to approve of us. And then they get to that point and then they explode because they're there. Well, that's not really great for anybody. If you just take the time, if you can afford it, if both of you want it, to, to really go to go over what that body is saying at that moment, it becomes very easy to give it. <laughs> uh, so I hope that wasn't too much. Um, I kind of got off on a couple of different tangents there. What didn't I cover 100% since I'm getting a million questions here? I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure I didn't leave anything too open because, of course, I'm rambling a little bit trying to get it all. <laughs> Can I just go back to making noises with my mouth? <laughs> Can you just pay me to make... Can I just be, can I just be paid to be, <laughs> like, like really attractive sounding, like really, really ridiculously attractive sounding in the Zoolander, in the Zoolander motif? Because, <laughs> because I got to say, I always feel really self-conscious when I talk about sex as a man to woman. There's no way to do it. I'm going to go off on a tangent here that's not as sexy and just say, like, last year somebody called me woke and they weren't white. And I was like, immediately I DM, like, what the fuck are you doing? Don't forget to do it. Because if there's ever a way to get somebody in trouble, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's to give them a rare compliment. If you ever really want to fuck somebody's day up and just really ruin their goddamn life, just give them a compliment that nobody else gives. Just like like a compliment that you're like, is that from like the Civil War? Is that like from a Civil War like letter home? And so like, like if you're white and you get the woke metaphor, like immediately you can just hear 10,000 people immediately activate on Twitter. Like, oh, we have to die. And it's the exact same thing I think it is about, like, women. And if you're a guy talking to women about sex, I just, I think that somewhere in the universe, as soon as that comes forward, as soon as you step forward, immediately out there, like, the, the, the antagonist force aligns against you, like the gods playing dice. <laughs> I, that's just how I feel. No... No, I don't want any of your compliments on this one. Just give me your pussies and your money. Just give me your social media shares and all that. Don't, don't, you can keep your accolades. <laughs> you should listen to this guy. He's so good at talking about sex and women. And some women overhears that at a Starbucks and she just takes her sunglasses off. And she's just all like, oh, was he? That's how the episode ends. Sorry. You didn't hear the theme music because it's in my head, but the theme music played and it's awesome. Because <laughs> she said it in past tense. It's very scary. It's very intimidating. She said it in past tense, guys. Oh, I don't think you're getting the implicate. It's a really good scene. <clears throat> Let's read other people's love letters in a hurry. 
Oh, darling. Your letter filled me with such a lot of emotions, the predominant one being rage, that you should allow yourself to be so humiliated and made so unhappy by the situation that really isn't worthy of you. I loathe to think of you apologizing and begging forgiveness and humbling yourself. I don't care if you did behave badly for a moment, considering all the devotion and loving you have given out during the last five years, you have a perfect right to. The only mistake was not to have behaved a great deal worse a long time ago. The aeroplane journey sounds a nightmare to me. It is difficult for me to wag my finger at you for so very far away, particularly as my heart aches for you. But really, darling, you must pack up this nonsensical situation once and for all. It is really beneath your dignity, not your dignity as a famous artist, as a glamorous star, but your dignity as a human, only too human being. Curly is attractive, beguiling, tender, and fascinating, but he is not the only man in the world who merits those delightful adjectives. Do please try to work out for yourself a little personal philosophy, and do not, repeat, do not be so bloody vulnerable. To hell with goddamned Lamour. It always causes far more trouble than it's worth. Don't run after it. Don't court it. Keep it waiting off stage until you're good and ready for it and even treat it with the suspicious disdain that it deserves. I am sick to death of you waiting about in empty houses and apartments with your ears strained for telephone to ring. Snap out of it, girl! A very brilliant writer once said it could have been me. Life is for the living. Well, that's all it is for, and living does not consist of staring at other people's windows and waiting for crumbs to be thrown to you. You've carried on that hole in corner, overcharged, romantic, unrealistic nonsense long enough. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Other people need you. Stop wasting your time on someone who only really says tender things to you when he's drunk. Unpack your sense of humor and get on with living and enjoy it. Incidentally, there is one fairly strong-minded type who will never let you down and who loves you very much indeed. Just try to guess who it is. These are not romantic kisses. They are unromantic, loving goose-ees. Your devoted Fernando de la Mars. Letter from Noel Coward to Marlene Diedrich regarding her on-off love affair with Yul Brenner. <clears throat> yeah, I had no idea no coward was so pathetic. <laughs> That's my that's my view at the end. Like, Noel Coward, like, come on, man. You definitely want to fuck Marlene Diedrich. I know you do. You can't you can't whip out at the end like that, bro. You want to kiss Marlene Diedrich. Don't tell me you don't, bro. I want to kiss Marlene Diedrich. What's that one she sang? Oh, it was so good. Uh, about the men burning into flames for her. 
What's that? How's that go? Her voice was so fucking deep. Oh, well, I can't think of it. I've been running around with these mad, mean poets and world eaters, and here I was, longing for some kind words from heaven, which you wrote. Came as fresh as summer breeze, and when I think on thee, dear friend, all losses are restored and sorrows end, came over and over in my mind. In the end of a Shakespeare sonnet, he must have been happy in love, too. I never realized before. Write me soon, baby. I'll write you big, long poem. I feel as if you were God that I pray to. Love. Alan. Alan Ginsberg to Peter Orlovsky. Perhaps I'm revealing how ignorant I am. I had no idea Allen Ginsberg was gay. <clears throat> or bi. Or whatever. All right, this one threw me. Here we go. I want my rapscallionlessly fellow vagabond. I want my dark lady, I want my angel, I want my tempter, I want my Freya with her apples. I want the lighter of my seven lamps of beauty, honor, laughter, music, love, life, immortality. I want my inspiration, my folly, my happiness, my divinity, my madness, my selfishness, my final sanity and sanctification, my transfiguration my purification, my light across the sky, my palm across the desert, my garden of lovely flowers, my million nameless joys, my day's wage, my night's dream, my darling, my star. George Bernard Shaw to Stella Beatrice Campbell. And it's our final love letter of the day. Thank you to everybody who put one in. These are some sweet love letters. Hick, my dearest. I believe it gets harder to let you go each time, but that is because you grow closer. You have grown so much to be a part of my life that it is empty without you. All day I've thought of you, and another birthday I will be with you. Oh, I want to put my arms around you. I ache to hold you close. Your ring is great comfort and more love than I can express in a letter as flying on waves and thoughts to you. I've been trying to bring you back to face, to remember just how to look. Funny how even the dearest face will fade away in time. Most clearly I remember your eyes with a kind, teasing smile in them and feeling that soft spot just northeast of the corner of your mouth against my lips, soft and a little whimsical. I adore every expression. Bless you, darling. The nicest time of the day is when I write to you. May the world be full of sunshine, and our meetings frequent be hours of joy and quiet time. Take us 
over life's rough seas, our course you will forget the sad times at the end, and eventually think only of the pleasant memories. Life is like that. I feel very happy because every day brings you near. I love you deeply and tenderly. I want you to have a happy life. You've made of me so much more of a person just to be worthy of you. One day perhaps fate will be kind and let us arrange a life more to our liking. For the time being, we are lucky to have what we have. Dearest, we are happy together. A strong relationship have grown deep roots. We are growing them now. The foliage and the flowers will come somehow, I am sure of it. Always remember that I go to sleep thinking of you. I wish I could lie down beside you tonight and take you in my arms. Love Letter from Eleanor Roosevelt to Lorena Hitchcock. That was very sweet and great. <sighs> I wish I had something like that going on. Some great love that I wrote to and I was all like, oh, can't stop thinking about you and the way you smell and feel. As is, if a woman's attractive enough and I think she's pretty interesting, I'm like, ah, oh, you better get away from me before I develop a crush. Uh, complicated. Usually when I was flirting with somebody, I'd be like, oh, I hope you don't say anything too dumb. I want to keep flirting with you. And I'm like, oh, don't say anything too smart or interesting. <laughs> hey, man, I don't know what she's like for you gals out there, but if a gal says something dumb or racist enough, that's it. You got a next her. doesn't matter how hard your dick is. It's just not worth it. She's just going to come back with more shit later. Like, if she's putting it in your box now, before you've come, she's definitely going to be putting it more in after. Daddy, I think you're so hot and sexy and smart. Oh, thank you. You're just like Ron Paul. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> Next. <laughs> There's there's no way that that relationship is going to go on without a conversation about the gold standard that she is not prepared intellectually or me emotionally to have, all right? That's just all there is to it, so let's just save some fucking time. I don't understand. I once got fired from a bartending job because I wouldn't admit that the Roman Empire was on the gold standard. This is a, that's true. I once got fired from a bartending gig. I've only been there like three weeks. 
because I wouldn't admit that the Roman Empire was on the gold standard. Now, somebody wrote it wasn't. That's correct. I know. That's why I wouldn't admit it. But the boss, the owner of the place, was a Ron Paul libertarian, which how we got started was he put a Ron Paul 2012 or 28, 2008, maybe, sticker up and a placard up in his window, which is how, like, the conversation came up. And then, like, he got madder and madder at me because I just wouldn't acquiesce. And he kept saying, like, well, I own the business, and I didn't know what that meant. Uh, what I own the business meant was kiss my ass or I'll fire you. And so eventually, like, uh, after a couple, well, I own the business uh, discussions, uh, he, it got to the point where he was asking about, like, Roman gold coins. I don't know how we got there. I legitimately, it was a slow day. I legitimately don't remember. And I was like, no, gold coins are the opposite of the gold standard. He goes, gold coins, not the opposite. Gold standard, use gold. Why use gold? I'm like, no, the gold standard and like the silver standard and like monetary policy is the exact opposite of having a silver standard like the stir. Like I, I tried to change it to the British Empire, like because I knew about Victoria England and I'd written like multiple papers on it. I was all like, so like the sterling and the silver standard is what England was on before America went to the gold standard. But using the sterling and the silver standard was the exact opposite of using silver because they actually had to buy up all the silver to actually to go over the sterling standard. And so I go over this whole spiel, like, I don't know, three, five minutes long about, like, Victorian England and the silver standard and all that and all the information that I know and, like, how using silver is the opposite of using a silver standard. And so you've got to get the silver, and it's a whole thing, and that's why there's a Fort Knox, and I get done with my little speech, and he goes, so you're saying that the Romans didn't use gold coins? And I said, no, they, they use gold coins. And he goes, Who's, whose face did they put on them? The gold coins that they used. I said, uh, typically the emperor, when it was minted. He went, the boss? And I went, yeah. He goes, yeah, the boss uses gold standard. You're fired. It's a true story. <laughs> it's a true fucking story. Uh... <laughs> I hadn't thought about that in forever. As I walked out of that fucking office being fi fired. Or that, yeah, I guess... Technically, it was an office. Oh, no. Did my internet go out? Oh, my internet may have gone out for a second. I'm sorry, guys, if it's going in or out, if you can't hear me. As I was walking out of that, getting fired, I was reminded of a friend in high school who had gotten fired in an even worse way. And just to briefly tell the story that he told me, he walked in late to a food place for the second time in a row, just a couple minutes late. The man walked over to him and said, hey, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. You're fired. <laughs> and I remembered that walking out of the bar. And that gave me a better, like, mindset about being fired about the gold standard. <sighs> I wish I could remember that dude's name. I kind of want to look. I never want to look anybody up. But I definitely want to look up the guy who yelled at me about the gold standard over poor drinks.
at a bar well. I kind of do want to look him up and see what happened to him. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't have to hear what his thoughts were during the Obama era. It must have been 2008. Yeah, because we never discussed Obama because his head would have exploded for sure. If we had ever talked about Obama. Yeah, there's no way. Because I, I once just made a joke about Jesse Jackson. And just saying that caused all sound to stop for the next three days in that bar. So just saying the words Jesse Jackson <laughs> freaked him out. So I can only imagine what the Obama era would have been in that fucking bar. It's probably a good thing that I got fired. Oh, he teased me about taking unemployment, which I then did, because I wouldn't have thought about unless he teased me on my way out, because he didn't believe in unemployment. Betty fucking believes in it right now. Betty fucking believes in it right fucking now. Yeah, welcome to New Mexico. Do you understand why I'm so bitter and angry? It's a shit fucking country. <laughs> I hate this world. <laughs> It's the only time I've ever taken unemployment. I've been fired a bunch of times. Not really. I've been fired like five times. That's the only time I ever took unemployment. Because I remembered. Once I got fired, we all got fired. I was in a call center. And by the time, like, it's such a small town that by the time we'd left, there was already on all of our windshields a flyer for a, for a, for a free meeting that night. <laughs> That was an investment scam. <laughs> I convinced several of my dumbest co-workers I was going to go. <laughs> I don't know if they win or anything, because I never saw those people again. They could all be dead for all I fucking know or care. But I was all like, oh, yeah, this looks like a great opportunity. And they're like, really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, you all asked me what I was going to do with all the money I saved up. I think this might be it. <laughs> hey, man, I had a bad day, too. I just lost my job. I didn't give a shit. <laughs> All right, my internet's going out, so I should probably just read and get done with this. Thank you guys very, very much for putting up with me. We've got one silly smut. <clears throat> Let's read it. Dr. Sue Taylor had begun her day at work like so many others have countless times at countless locations for countless years. There was nothing special about this day, at least as it began anyway. She began to work and saw her first patient as scheduled to session when his typical session would go. Sue bade her patient goodbye when it was all over. Everything seemed normal enough until 15 minutes later when Sue received a call from her secretary regarding her previous patient. <laughs> 15 minutes between patients, that does sound like a normal doctor from the fucking wait times. Dr. Taylor, I'm so sorry to bother you. Her receptionist apologized, but security wanted to let you know there's an issue with Mona. What kind of issue? Shu inquired. Um, apparently she's taken off all her clothes and now she's playing in the fountain. The receptionist explained, she's saying she told you she needed to talk more, but she won't come out of the fountain unless you talk to her. Oh, for fuck's sake, Sue burst out. I have another patient due in 15 minutes. Tell them on the way. 30 minutes between patients. That's not bad. I didn't, I didn't realize. Maybe I, 
Should have gone to medical school. <laughs> A few minutes later, Sue arrived outside the front door, and sure enough, Mona, an older patient in her mid-60s, was busily splashing around in the lodge fountain completely devoid of her clothes. Her fairly long yet amazing firm breasts were bouncing and swaying as she played happily in the rather deep pool of concrete and marble fountain. Oh, Mona! Sue muttered as she made her way back through the growing crowd and gathered to gawk at the sexy senior's nude body. By the time Sue reached the security guard who was monitoring the situation, <laughs> Mona had straddled the fountainhead, was letting it massage her clit. Now this is the life, she howled as she began to publicly masturbate in front of everybody. I just love that they're really in that this is a voyeur thing this far into it. <laughs> it literally starts off with you have to come down to this public area. There's a naked woman masturbating. <laughs> just in case the kink has to be said out loud, I guess. This is a voyeurism kink. Oh, okay, all right, I gotcha. Gosh, this is like the Ice-T John Mulaney sketch. Yes, Ice, he's a pedophile. You work in the sex crime division. <laughs> Mona! Sue crawled out. Come out of there at once, said the medical doctor. Hi, Dr. Sue, Mona hollered back. I'm gonna come, all right. Sue let out a loud, pleasurable shriek as she experienced an orgasm in front of everyone. Oh, yes, it feels so goddamn good, she bellowed. Oh, yes. A burst of laughter from the audience was followed by a round of applause as two guards waded out to the nude woman and pulled her to her feet before leading her back to the edge of the fountain and onto the concrete plaza. They are not paid enough. Mona, Sue sighed, what is wrong with you? You can't just take your clothes off like that and masturbate in front of everyone. Why not? Mona demanded. It felt great. Still does. I feel so free without any clothes on. You should try it, Dr. Zoo. I don't think so, Sue replied. I said you should try it, Mona hissed. With that, she reached out and tossed Sue's blouse. Buttons popped and flew as the deranged woman tore poor Sue's top off completely, leaving her standing there in a bra and skirt. Before Sue could react, however, Mona kneed the closest guard in the groin and kicked the other one square in the balls. Apparently two different areas. Both men dropped to the ground, cupping their ball slash groins in agony. And Mona headed for Sue. In a panic, Sue turned and fled with the sexy senior right on her tail. She didn't get too far, however. 
As she entered the parking lot, Sue felt a sharp tug on her bra strap, and then the sensation of the sun on her breasts as Mona ripped her lacy white bra from her chest as well. She caused Sue to lose her balance as she stumbled into the parking cars, giving her aggressor the opportunity to pull her skirt down. Sue tripped and fell onto the pavement, desperately trying to crawl away as Mona pulled her skirt and panties off, leaving the poor doctor wearing nothing but her pumps. Mona then savagely tore her skirt and panties to ribbons before the two guards finally able to arrive and take her down with a stun gun. Mona dropped like a stone and lay on her back shuddering, her generous titties jiggling like two mounds of gelatin. Are you okay, Dr. Taylor, one of the security guards somehow knew to ask? Sue looked around at the crowd of people staring at her unclothed body in shock and disbelief. Many were people she knew, and while this was in no way her fault, she still felt quite embarrassed for someone in her position. She was a respected doctor and therapist. Well, which is it? Yet here she was, standing in the parking lot, totally nude, except for her shoes. It was at that moment, Sue thankfully, Sue was thankful she had decided to trim everything down below that very morning. Her brown bush had been neatly trimmed into an attractive triangle, and her legs were freshly shaved. I'm fine, she snapped. Now if you'll excuse me, I have work to do. With that, Sue took a deep breath, squared her shoulders, and marched right past everyone and back into the building. As she reached the elevator, a boy standing next to his mother pointed at her and giggled. Look, Mom, he said excitedly, there's a naked lady standing there. Really, Larry, she retorted, you and your stories, one of these days. Her voice cut off as she respied Sue's bare body and quickly placed her hand over her son's eyes as though it would erase what he had already seen from his mind instead of using this as a teachable moment. Oh, my God. Oh, this just keeps going. Oh, okay, all right. Ah, uh, Mona doesn't even come back, apparently. Mona just gets freaking straight knocked out with the stun gun of the story. Apparently, she's going to go talk to Cheryl about some clothing. All right, just because we're running a little bit long, I do want to call it there. Uh, yes, we're going to call it there. <laughs> Thank you very much for requesting. I think we got the fun out of it. I'm a doctor and a therapist, and I'm naked. I won't stand for this. <clears throat> Sex on planes is stupid. These people think they're so cool for just joining the Mile High Club. They probably think that sneaking a joint makes them so rebellious, too. Whatever. Fucking on airplanes is overrated. They're just dumb conformists who want to do it because they read about it in a magazine. I just want to get to L.A. already. This whole thing is stupid. 
I couldn't help but look over her shoulder. She was sitting right next to me, after all, and I've never been one not to notice a woman, even if she is fifteen years my junior. But even if I weren't the type to try and see what my seatmate were reading or check her out, the furious way this girl was scribbling in her notebook, a loud, angry kind of scrawl, was the equivalent of pounding a piano keyboard hard. And it was getting difficult to ignore. Her entire aura was angry, and she was dressed in a typical post-teen fashion black tank top over jeans with a black hoodie, plenty of black eyeliner, an eyebrow ring and a scowl, oh, and dark green Converse sneakers. As I took in her words, I knew immediately that she was an all-but-a-virgin, and she was too fired up, too cocky, to have ever fully surrendered to a boy or a girl. She had all the charm of a young woman whose sensuality is hidden not so deeply beneath the surface, who just hadn't figured it out yet. She made me want to smack some sense into her, or fuck her. I could have told her to grow up, but what would be the point? She could have become jaded, I mean mature, like me? No. I figured I could have some fun with her, though and maybe met this altitude know that there's more than one way to get screwed on an airplane. Her eyes, once you got past the shaggy bangs and overdone makeup, were almost sexy, and yes, I was now officially a dirty old man like twice her age or damn close for even considering what she had going on under that hoodie. She started it, and I felt like it was in both our interests to pursue it. You're wrong, I know, you know, I said in a snotty tone, as I could muster. Like meets like and all that. It's not just about yuppies sneaking off for a quickie and calling it the best sex of the year. There are all kinds of ways to fuck on a plane. You're just too young to know about them. She glared up at me, and let me tell you, it was the sexiest glare I'd ever seen. The kind of sneer that says, leave me alone, and I want to suck your cock at the very same time. The kind of stare that made my dick even harder. Like you'd know, she muttered. Then cut me off with her eyes before turning to face the window, deliberately closing her journal and closing into a ball as best she could within the confines of her seat. Normally, <clears throat> I don't care what my neighbors are reading or eating or doing on a plane. I'm intent on getting where I'm going as quickly as possible. I've had my share of fun on planes, but for the most part, I think they're utilitarian vehicles. The fastest way to get from point A to B. And nothing to get excited about. But I was excited about this girl because she was definitely a girl, not a woman. Not even close. I'd been spending my time with women who'd been around the block, who knew exactly how to give a blowjob designed to make me melt, who approached sex like a sport they'd already won several medals in. Maybe that's not totally fair. But I was bored. I was on the plane because I wanted to shake things up, not necessarily with a wild fling, but with something different. I'd been certain a quick trip to Miami would snap me out of my rut. I'd fantasized about somewhere more exotic, but time was even tighter than money, 
and I just wanted to be in the sun, suck up a few rays, oogle some chicks in bikinis, and flirt and drink and not think about my latest breakup, my job performance. Things were salvageable at work, but I wasn't exactly going to be made employee of the year. I've been drinking too much and taken some of my frustrations out on Heather, who'd finally had enough. But looking at this girl full of smoldering sex appeal buried beneath layers of goth indifference, I wondered if maybe I didn't even need to get to the land of beaches, sunshine, and Cuban flair for that to happen. The wild child seemed tailor-made for that, and like she could use someone to talk some sense into her, because she came jaded, like all the others. Just then, the stewardess came by and asked about our drinks. My companion surprised me by ordering a club soda. I opted for water with extra ice and a whiskey. I smiled politely, even as my mind formed deviant plans. My seatmate continued to pretend to ignore me, but I had sensed her eyes peering at me over her shoulder. I pulled out a book and saw a thriller on the bestseller list I'd grabbed off the shelves. I used to have a stack of books just waiting to be read, would sometimes rush home like they were old friends. But lately, all I've been reading were labels on jars and captions on my TV screen. <clears throat> I tried to act like I was immersed in the book, playing hard to get, if you will, but the stewardess returned with my requested cup of ice. I was grateful for the chance to pull out my tray, and I grinned up at her. I think she thought I was flirting with her from the way she leaned down, thrusting her tits in my face. The brief nearness made my seatmate a little jealous, apparently, because she scowled at the woman and demanded both a Coke and a tomato juice. You better not spill it on me. I said to her like I was eight. Why don't you just mind your own business? She snapped back. Are you sure that's really what you want, Donna? I asked, having copped a glance at a copy of the bust with its address label still attached that she'd been rifling through. You're damn nosy. You know that. You were the one writing something that I happened to have a vested interest in. I was writing in a journal, you idiot. Fine. Stay young and informed. I don't... Wow, he was reading her journal about plain sex? This isn't... This is not a funny one. It was not written as a funny or recurs a funny one. This is going to get kind of... All right. I don't know. Some people, you know, those stuffy, uptight dickwads you think so highly of might be interested in playing with ice like a sex toy. I'm sure that would be beneath you. There's no point in even going on about it. There was silence for a few minutes as I sipped my drink and actually let myself get sucked into the mystery novel, the first clues making my brain spin with possibilities. Just when I thought I had a lead on who the killer might be, she spoke again. Not that I actually care anything, but what exactly would you do with the ice? And how would you do it without getting caught? I turned to look at her, and her eyes seemed wider. The makeup seeming to fade as she stared up at me. 
Well, the only real way to tell you is to show you, otherwise it'll just sound boring. Do you think you're up for it? I'm not so sure such a delicate flower like you could stand it. It's really more for the masochistic sort of girl. Of course, I already knew that she was as submissive as they come. It's the bratty ones who always need a good spanking and the sniveling, simpering ones who are actually the biggest bitches once you scratch that outer layer. Time and time again, my theory has been proven right. As ballsy babes who have busted my nuts at work or among friends have begged to have their hair pulled, to choke on my cock, to be degraded in ways I hadn't even thought of. Donna looked up at me and nodded. I can take it. She said it like it was about to take her before a firing squad, rather than make her more aware of the nipples that she had. Try not to sound too enthusiastic. I said right into her ear. She shivered, and I made my lips brush against her lobe. Too cold? Good, because you're allowed to get a lot colder. And with a practical move, I took one of the pieces of ice from my hand and put it around her, as quickly worked it in below her T-shirt and into her bra. I made it <laughs> secure there, as I felt it start to melt just a little. I allowed my fingers only a brief meeting with her already hardening flesh before removing my hand and patting her on the shoulder. She looked at me again, her mouth open, fish-like. Don't say anything. It's better that way. Just take deep breaths and focus on the sensation and get used to it. Because I'm about to add another one. I told her. Her face could not have looked more shocked. Having ice melting against your nipple is one of those things you can't really prepare for. Even if you think you know what you're getting into, the reality is more painful, chilling, and exciting than you could have expected. Yes, there's going to be another one. Unless you think you can't hate it. Can't stand it. Wish I hadn't done it. The more I talked, the faster the words bubbled out, the stiffer my cock got. I wanted to try and play it cool, but I was just as aroused as she was. Initiation should be its own fetish, its own niche in the world of sex. Watching the woman go from barely knowing where her clit was to realizing that her nipples were way more sensitive than she thought, that she could take, was as beautiful as watching the glorious sunset going on outside our window. No, I mean, I can't say that. I don't know. I wouldn't say I like it. But be disappointed if you didn't do it again. How disappointed? I asked, stroking her cheek with one rough thumb. Would you really be such a bad thing? I asked her before reaching down to pitch her icy nipple. She let out a sigh, then a hiss, as I manipulated the ice through the fabric of her t-shirt and hoodie, so that it moved indirectly in contact with the nipple. Oh, Donna, this is only the beginning. Because 
In a little while, I'm going to hand you three pieces of ice and tell you to go to the bathroom and insert them into your pussy. And yes, you're going to do it. Then walk back here, sit down, and make a big puddle in your seat. It's going to look like you peed your pants. You're going to almost wish you had peed your pants. That it's all been an accident. Because even though the ice is cold, your pussy is going to be on fire. I let the words sink into her stubborn little brain. What about you? She asked, clearly stalling for time. What about me? I asked, even though I had the one to look down at my crotch, revealing how hard this discussion was making me. I mean, why do I have to suffer? Why don't you get iced up too? Oh, little girl. I said, reaching between her legs so she could feel my heat, and I could feel hers. There's still so much you have to learn. That is, if I'm not boring you by being a... What was it? I paused and shifted my fingers. Oh, right. A dumb conformist. I said as I pressed my palm flush with her pussy. You're not. I promise. I didn't know. What didn't you know, Donna? I asked calmly as I plucked another piece of ice out of the rapidly melting pile and put it in my mouth. I held it between my teeth and smiled at her, waiting for her to answer. I didn't know it'd feel this good. Or that I'd get turned on. I've only been with one guy, Rich, my ex-boyfriend, and he was always in and out. Said anything fancier was dreamed up by people with nothing better to do. Oh, my dear, that's where you're wrong. If anything's going to change the world, it's going to be sex. I pried her fingers off my arm. I think you need more ice cubes, I told her. She didn't object. She didn't shrink away or glare. She just watched her eyes glued to my hand as I took another cube and quickly slipped my hand down her shirt and into her bra, dropped my little gift, and then extricating myself, my wet fingers dripping onto her neck as I massaged it. Now you, I said, rub directly against your nipple. Think about what I could do if I had you alone, your breasts hanging out of your bra, your nipples straining in the air. Silently, she held one hand over her breast, using her hoodie to massage it into her. After that melts, it'll be time for you to go to the bathroom, I whispered. She didn't say a word, but her shoulder said it all. If you're tuned into body language careful movie watcher, a reader of the Book of Humanity, you can tell a shudder of horror from one of pleasure. They are oceans apart, gestures similar only in name. This shudder said, I never thought it could feel this good. I don't care if we're on a plane. Who knows how many feet in the air, in public or around strangers. 
I just want more. <clears throat> Watching Donna was a pleasure all its own, a visual feast as my words and fingers coordinated to untangle her, unwrap her, unleash her. I, too, was changing from dirty old man to enraptured seducer, her pleasure humming through my body as it were attached to a wire. I bet you're very wet right now. I bet you're not thinking about how fast this plane is flying or so I can get you to Miami for me. No, I'm not. There was a pause while I breathed against her neck, out, then in, inhaling her scent, musky and flower at once. I like this. She said quietly, it was a simple statement. From someone else, it might have been a small admission, but from her, it was everything. I had her. I cupped her pussy once more through her jeans, grinding my palm against it. She sunk lower in her seat, pressing back against me. I leaned over and pressed my forehead against hers, kissed her cheek softly. Kissing on planes is highly underrated. My lips met the soft skin of her cheeks, and I was reminded of just how young she was, her pale skin perfectly smooth, so tender I could practically sink right into her, full of promise. I was too old for her in real life, whatever that was, but here, on this plane, I didn't mind making her feel hot and cold and aroused and wanted for a short while. She turned toward me and our lips met tenderly like two teenagers making out in a movie theater. Even as the ice went to her shirt, her pussy begged me for more. Her tongue insisted on entering my mouth. Though her movements were small and tentative at first, I let her explore me before grabbing her hair and shoving my tongue into her mouth as quietly as I could, the invasion swift, decisive. I knew our fellow passengers had to notice something amiss. It's hard to ignore two people in the throes of passion, even if you think you're not listening or observing. Those telltale shifts, those familiar sounds rise into your consciousness. I reminded myself that for all... All those people knew she was my wife, my very young trophy wife, which cast me as the dirty old perv. I didn't mind, though, and went when we broke apart, panting. I held my hand to her lips. She kissed each finger in turn, then unbuckled her seatbelt and slithered over me, making sure to pause when her legs were straddling mine. A look on her face that said for a moment made me question whether she was, indeed, as innocent as I'd painted her in my mind. She reached into the cup of ice and grabbed a handful, then winced as the shock of the cold sting greeted her. Then, still poised above me, Donna took a piece of ice and traced it over my lips, making them tremble, then part. She pressed it against my tongue and then fell into a heavy, solid fold. She didn't want to be in charge, I could tell, but she wanted to at least let me know that she could be. Then she turned and walked towards the back of the plane. I swallowed hard. When she'd been right in front of me, I could have easily let myself forget our surroundings. With her gone, I tried my best to stare straight at my hand, examining my imaginary hangnails, my cuticles, and my skin, imagining the hairs on my knuckles. I was embarrassed 
a new emotion for me. I didn't ask myself whether it was wrong to corrupt her, whether I should have waited for some other clueless kid her age who'd maybe banged one chick to show her what she was missing. I was too horny for that. Her virginal yet knowing body was already haunting me. It had been, what, five years or maybe more since I'd been with a girl who was truly innocent, almost ignorant about sex, showing her not only how to please me, but especially how to please herself, the uses for her cunt and her clit and her nipples and her mouth, even the simple act of stroking the back of her neck, that's what I wanted to do for Donna. All of a sudden, I knew she was on her way back. I turned around and saw her practically limping. She had done it. She had really done it. Until that moment, I hadn't actually been totally sure, hadn't trusted that she was curious enough to continue, able to get those cubes in her pussy. Cunts don't exactly welcome freezing cold objects, but hers had. She moved around me and sat a look of heavy torture across her face. You're an asshole, you know that? She said, am I really? I bet you're single. I bet your girlfriend's broke up with you. She was taunting me, teasing me, and despite knowing better, it worked. I reached between her legs, feeling the cubes threatening to pop out. She continued to try to badmouth me, but I knew she was just putting up a front. I knew from the way her hips lifted against my hand, the cold wetness alive against my fingers. I didn't even feel that sorry that I couldn't slide my way inside her just then. I could have but I liked the tension between us, liked seeing her react, almost despite herself. I think it's time for a nap, I said, smiling at her wickedly as I took my wet fingers and brushed them against her cheek. My index finger roamed across her lips. She let me inside only to bite me, and I gritted my teeth. There's nothing I love more than being bitten by a woman in the throes of ecstasy, and she hardly knows her own strength. Wouldn't care if she did. I could tell Donna was a biter, and a screamer, and a gusher. Don't ask me how. I just knew. Tank Aunt Mac. I said, What you wrote before. Take it back, and maybe I'll make you come. I could see that I don't need you to make me come. Cross a flash in her mind, but she didn't say it. I guess you are right, she managed. You guess? I asked, letting my hand rest against her neck lightly, but with the promise of more. You were right. This is exciting. It's not what I thought it would be. Neither are you, Donna. I said, as I leaned down, pressing my lips against her forehead. Her skin was warm there, and I rested like a moment before telling her to reach down and fish out the cubes. What? You heard me. I want them. I'm going to eat them. That seemed to be the most shocking thing I could have told her. I wanted to eat the melted ice cubes that were in her pussy. I would be tasting her pussy by proxy, but she would have to touch herself to make it happen. I'll guard for you, I said, and shifted in such a way that she'd be hidden from full view. She didn't protest anymore, just reached around and shifted 
to retrieve the cubes, which were around half the size they'd been earlier. Water streamed down her hand and onto both of us. Put them in my mouth, I instructed her. She did as I commanded, our eyes meeting as her hand cupped the cubes entering my mouth. The truth was I wanted to devour her, lick her all over, keep her naked in my apartment overnight, or hell, for a week. But I let her fingers slip out before taking them, and this time settling a magazine across her lap and a blanket across mine, before delving into her panties with both our hands atop hers, steering and guiding her, letting her fingers show us both what felt good. I never... I know, I assured her. This was a hell of a place to start, and a fluffy white cloud raced by our window. I taught my own sexy wild child how to masturbate, how to make herself come, how to touch her pussy in a way that could transcend any number of bouts of bad sex or heartache. I stayed with her as she trembled, turning her face into my shoulder and leaning toward me. She asked for my number, but I didn't give it to her. I didn't want to totally tame her wildness, and I figured this was like that. If you give a man a fish, same. <laughs> I had taught her what her body was good for. Now it was up to her to go out and use it. That's not to say that it was easy to step off the plane and feel like culture shock of heading back to real life, where wildness was certainly in abundance but never paired with such innocence. I let her use my sweater to wrap around her waist where the big puddle still remained. I hope Donna learned a good lesson that will make her a better lover to herself and others. I learned that you're never too old to learn some new sex tricks, and that sometimes it's the least likely strangers, on a plane even, that can show you a new side about yourself. <sighs> what sexy tricks did he learn? He didn't learn anything. <laughs> oh, that was a weird one. Please, if you're the person who submitted that, don't think that I'm judging you. But there is a real certain kind of mindset in a guy where he thinks that a woman who's had a boyfriend and is on a plane alone and is willing to masturbate doesn't know what masturbation is or like it or enjoy it. Like... Like, you put all that together, that's a weird, it's just a really weird machismo fantasy. <laughs> I'm sorry that my internet goes out sometimes these days. It just goes out for a couple minutes. I got no control, and then it pops back in. So thank you, everybody, for waiting around. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. I hope you all had a good time today. I know that I did. Hell of a show. Long one. Appreciate all of the requests. Appreciate everything. One last time, there's a lip for the tinkage. If there's a... Ah! There's a link for the tippage. How did I, how did I inadvertently do that gay slur again? When I, when I tried to talk about the link for tips. 
Tinks, that's right. Lip for Tinks. Lip for Tinks, that's right. Lip for Tinks. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun one. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. If you want a sexier show, bring me Sexier Smut Friday night. I'll be happy to read it. To everybody else who's just given me so much time and patience, I appreciate you all very, very much. I hope to see you there. Live shows, I do them so much better. I do them better when you're around. Won't you come around and make them better with me? I know that you will. Thank you to all the new girls who came out, even if you were too shy to say anything. Oh my god! You can hear me. That's the end of my energy, since I haven't eaten today. That's it. That's all I got. Ugh, if you made it this far. That's pretty good. I can I can definitely do better than that though. So that's an all right one though. That's what I wish I had done the first two times. That was hard and consistent. That was pretty okay. And I can do it right to your fucking pussy. All right, pay me, love me, tell your friends, come on out, see you soon. I love you all. I'm going away now. Bye. Have a wonderful weekend. See you soon. Okay, that's it. Ugh. Tired. Just tired. Ugh.